Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to the Mac and Jack Sports Show as we're on live Thursday through Sunday, 8 to 10 a.m., live on Roku TV, YouTube, and Facebook. I'm your host, Mac, with your co-host, the legendary boxing writer himself, Jack Hirsch, as we'll be bringing you all the sports update, especially from the weekend up to today, where there's been a lot of action out there in sports, in the uh, world of sports, the NFL, the MLB, the the uh, N- NBA. I mean, a lot of things have been happening, Jack. We'll get everybody caught up, and today we'll have on our NHL expert, Carter B., to help us guide through some of the NHL news. How you doing today, Jack? Good, Mac. It's It's been a while. I mean, I haven't seen you since Sunday. That's what happens when you do a Thursday through Sunday school uh, show. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And uh, like I said, you know, we go through Sunday because, you know, of course, a lot of games are played over the weekend, but uh, we miss out on some of the, the topics that happened since Sunday. So let's start off with the MLB, Jack. Uh, Major League Baseball has canceled uh, a Two additional series, 184 games. Uh, really, the owners aren't losing nothing in this proposal because in the beginning of the year, especially up north, it's cold out here, and they really don't sell out stadiums, maybe opening day, but really they don't start the, – the money really don't start coming into when the weather gets better, the playoff races. And uh, I don't know if the player is going to be able to recoup the money from these series that are canceled, Jack. Mac, do you really care whether the players recoup their money? They make more in, lo- in lost wages. The total they make in lost wages is more than you and I make, Mac. Okay? I mean, they, they canceled the second series in a row. They canceled the first series of games, the second, the third. What happens if the owners made an announcement in the players' union there's going to be no season? How long would it bother us for, Mac? It would bother us for an hour or two, and then we'd forget about it, and we'd be good until next year. I hate to say it, we love baseball. We absolutely love baseball, but we want to see the games. We've been down this road before. Let them haggle and haggle and haggle. But who are they hurting? They're hurting themselves, you know, in the long run, the players' union, the owners. And they might see that the fans, you know, are going to be a little bit indifferent. Yeah, and, and Jack, I just posted up the banner. I will be taking calls today for any comments or questions from the viewers. So if they want to call up and they want to come on the air, be happy to have them, or they can just make comments like they normally do as we go through the through the through the show here. You know, what do you think about the proposed rule changes? I mean, they want to make the bases bigger. They want to, you know, uh, make the shift illegal. They're talking, of course, about a, a, a pitch. Uh, clock. What do you think about those proposals, Jack? Now, it's funny. Joey Gallo, the Yankee outfielder, was complaining. How's he supposed to be successful when there's like six guys on one side of the field? How do they expect him to get base hits? How unfair it is? And that Fred Lynn, the, you know, former great Red Sox player, long-term major leaguer, responded. He said, well, didn't Ted Williams hit 406 against the shift? Yeah, You know, I mean, it's all debatable whether the shift should be allowed or not. There's a school of thought. If you're a professional hitter, you should be able to hit all over the field. If they're shifted to one side, hit to the other side. But then again, you know, you have the equivalent of shifts in other sports. It's called, you know, teams aren't allowed to be offside. 
you know, like protecting their goalie uh, stacked up on one side of the field. You know, in the NBA, the zone is, you know, certain zone defenses are legal. So I can make that argument, well, let them play any zone they want because then you could get guys open elsewhere to take jump shots from, you know, 25 feet out that are wide open, and they should be able to make those. Uh, to me, personally, you should be allowed to play players anywhere you want. If you want to play all eight position players, not counting the pitch, of course, on one side of the field, that's really a business. I mean, the hitters should be able to adjust. And Tim, I agree with you, right? I mean, you listen. I mean, not only should you, not only should they be able to put all the players wherever they want. I mean, football, you can overload the left side, overload the right side. You can put anybody, everybody on the line of scrimmage to rush the passer if you want. That's up to you. And that the offense has to make the adjustment. And, and as far as the bases being bigger, I don't know what Yahoo came up with that. So it's easily easier to steal bases. Are you kidding me? I, I, well, I mean, the next thing they're going to do, Jack, is they're going to they're going to put they're going to make the baseball bigger so they don't strike out as much. I mean, how much how much do they need help? Do these players need uh, to to play the game? It's it, it, it's it's ludicrous to me. I mean, well, really. Matt, reportedly they're making the bases somewhat bigger for the safety element of it because when players are running hard and they step on a the base, they're under a little more risk of injury. But I'd have to see studies done. What players have gotten hurt stepping on bases, you know, sliding on bases? I don't see the sense in making the bases bigger per se because it affects the way they slide. The way things stand now, players can't afford to overslide a base. They have to time their slide. Now with a bigger base, I mean, the timing of the slide could be a little off, and they'll have more of a base to grab with their hand to be safe. I mean, how much bigger do they or do they want to make the base? I mean, if they're making it like a giant pillow, it, it's going to kind of really look odd. It's just, it's just weird, Jack, how they try to – you know, change the game. I, I I hate it when they do it in football. I hate it uh, when they uh, when they do it in other sports too. I, I think something should be left alone, and the players, the professionals, should be able to play, play the game as it was constructed. Now, of course, you got to make you got to adapt as you go over time, but uh, when you're fu fundamentally changing the game. Uh, it's something else, and, and and I'm not a big fan of that. So um, that's our comment. You know, uh, David Gayet, these players don't need help. They get paid enough, way overpaid. I don't go for that. If the owners are making a fortune of money, the players deserve their cut, whatever it is. I don't want to hear players are getting overpaid and the owners could pocket vast sums of money. It doesn't work that way, okay? The owners, let's see them open their books. I'm just throwing a number at you. Let's say the owners make $100 million. Should they only pay out $5 million to the players and should they keep $95 million? I mean, I don't think so. I mean, we have to, it's supply and demand. I mean, entertainers, okay? You know, actors, we don't hear about how much money that they're making, you know, uh, compared to the studio and the producers in Hollywood. You know, it's all supply and demand. I mean, not that many people can do what the players do, Mac. I mean, it's only a, a small, small, tiny percentage. 
can be big time, you know, Major League Baseball players, NBA players, NHL, NFL players, whatever they make, they're really entertainers in reality. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't necessarily disagree with you, Jack. Uh, I think that that it should be uh, it should be fair, uh, but there's no oversight except for MLB, and it's not like regular business. So I don't know what the answer is to to that whether whether the the players should be making more money or less money or the the owner should be uh, you know being more competitive, spending the money they get for revenue sharing. There is so much involved. Uh, and trying to get this thing up and going, that I think that's where the fans lose their interest. They're tired of hearing about all that nonsense. They want them to fix it and get it going. And right now, uh, unless something happens within the next you know, couple of weeks, the season's going to be in danger of, of being lost, and it's a shame. What you're going to do is you're not going to lose, I don't think, Jack, you're going to lose people like me or you. You're going to lose them 12-year-old kids that are looking to, to follow a player or follow a sport. And the NBA's there, and the NHL there, and boxing's there. You know, it's going to be uh, it's going to be MLB's fault. Baseball That's doesn't it. have the young fans the way they did when when we were really young, Mac. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they went over to the NBA in large part to the NFL. Uh, Major League Baseball really hasn't catered to the very young fan. I mean, the average twelve year old who's a sports fan. They're not into Major League Baseball the way we, we were at that age. I agree, Jack. It's a shame. But it's part, it's, it's a lot of it has to do with, with the MLB itself, right, and every way they've been a, approaching this. So um, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Again, Jack, maybe, um, maybe boring and maybe uh, the same old, same old. But, uh, you know, it's just it's a shame that, that America's pastime is now being, uh, again, having problems getting their season going. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the WBNA, uh, WNBA uh, star, uh, Brittany Griners. She's in detention in Russia right now. Um, of course, the U.S. congressmen are, are, are kind of imploring the Biden administration to take more action. Uh, it looks like she violated the, the country's uh, abuse, illegal substance, I shouldn't say abuse, illegal substance laws over there. Um, she's now in prison over there. Uh, it's a shame. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I don't think anybody really knows whether she did. I guess Russia uh, will try to prove this or has proved this to the State Department. I don't know. But it's a shame that uh, we have players, not just Brittany, but but uh, some other players from other countries that are stuck in Russia right now um, that can't get out. And with her being in detention, there's cause that this might, uh, there's thought that she might be used as a pawn, that she's being kept over there because of the tension between us and Russia right now, because of the invasion. Um, Jack, why was she there? I mean, I don't get it. I, I Maybe she was there. Was she there playing a tournament or was she there Visiting, I, I don't know. Well, why. She was there playing. They were playing, you know, games there, and then things broke out. The State Department had warned the citizens basically to, you know, get out of there in time. You could tell that the tension was brewing. Whether she really did anything wrong or not, I have no idea. I, I wouldn't believe the Russian government what they're saying, but she, she's not going to get out for a while. 
yeah, he's I not agree. getting up for quite a while. I mean, with the hostilities going on between the United States and Russia, I mean, these congressmen, representatives saying, oh, let's negotiate with Russia. Are they out of their mind? I mean, that's crazy. Russia's not negotiating with the United States and making nice, saying, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll send her back to you, okay? Yeah. They're holding her basically as a prisoner of war, some type of bargaining chip. And the United States government here, they have enough on their plate dealing with Russia. They're not going to be negotiating her release because they have nothing to give back. Yeah, Nothing I, at all to give back to Russia or want to give back to Russia in any way, shape, or form. I mean, the only thing the United States can possibly do, and it would escalate things, is any Russian athlete here, they're not going to hold a Russian athlete here not let that athlete return to Russia and hold yeah. them as a prisoner here. And they're not going to ban Russian athletes who are playing here like take the great Alex Ovechkin and say, oh, you can't play here anymore because of the Brittany Grimes situation. We're deporting you back to Russia. You know, it, it's just not going to go there. Really, she's going to, I hate to say it, but she's basically a prisoner of war. And because of the hostilities going on between Russia, Ukraine, the United States, NATO, and all, she's going to be there a while. It's, it, it, I hate to say it's what it is. Because if it was my relative, okay, someone in my family, I wouldn't be having, I'd be hysterical about that. Sure. But the reality of the situation is Russia just isn't going to send her back to the United States because maybe they could use as some type of, you know, bargaining chip for something at some point. You know, Jack, if it is so, if what they're saying is so that she you know, she had marijuana or whatever it is. People got to realize now, you know, I, I've discussed being in the military before. And when you go overseas, the laws are a lot different than the United States. And they don't think about this. We When we went overseas, we were briefed to, to nausea that their laws and our laws, some are more lax, but most are more strict. And we were told that we got arrested overseas. They may not be able to get us out of prison. You know, that little that little joint you smoke here that might get you, you know, a fine could put you in jail for 10 years in some countries. And it's happened. And anytime that you go overseas, I don't know what sports do. I don't know what the WNBA does or or the, the Olympic uh, Olympic committees that send these kids and these sports figures overseas. But they have got a stress beyond beyond reasonable. How much the laws are different in different countries. And I'm telling you right now, Jack, if there's anybody, as I said before, that can hear this broadcast overseas, that I don't care what country you're in, I'd get my butt back home. Because this is this invasion is a domino effect for other countries. Other countries are going to do things. And even the friendly countries have uh, bad actors in them. And if you're going to be overseas right now during something like this, you're going to see more bombings. You're going to see more threats. You might see more kidnappings. If I was any sports figure and I had an option, I'd be home on the next plane, no matter where I was. But I don't know what they do as far as briefing these kids, Jack, or these, these superstars. But I'm telling you right now, the laws, you think you're in America when you go to these other countries, and you're not. You're in a totally different environment. 
and I, I hope that they're briefing these 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 sports figures and, and players on this stuff. It's a shame. You know, when you're young, Mac, you have a feeling of invincibility that you can get out of any situation. It's not going to happen to me. You, you know, you just and you've been, and you've been at these locations before. Brittany Grimes has been to Russia before. So there's a certain familiarity with the country. There's a, there was a certain comfort level. And then, you know, and then you get oblivious to world affairs sometimes. Like you just shut out. You don't want to know from it. You're saying, well, it doesn't really affect me directly. But, you know, it winds up at the end doing it. And this isn't to say she did anything wrong at all. I mean, I have no clue. I wouldn't believe the Russian government for one moment, anything that they would say you know, in regard to her. But, uh, you know, regardless, she's not being sent back so quickly, unfortunately. People don't want to hear that. There's always like some hope that it's going to happen. But let's be realistic about it. I mean, why would Russia send her back? The, The hostilities are so great now between the United States and Russia. They wouldn't want to do anything for the United States as far as goodwill with all the sanctions against them, you know, I just hope that she's safe there, you know, so when the day comes, she could finally be released. Yeah. And, and, and you know, all, all, I think everybody's thoughts are with her right now that, that, because that, that is not the best position to be in right now. And that's nothing the United States can re- realistically do. Nothing yeah, at all. We could say, and, and within this country, we might, be seeing boycotts, why we're not doing enough to get it back. I mean, let's be realistic about it. There's really nothing that the United States can do beyond some, you know, basic dialogue to get her back. Yeah, yeah. And and hopefully, hopefully, uh, you know, they have some uh, good people working on it. Um, I, I just, I, I just, again, you know, it's a shame and, and, and hopefully, uh, she gets back here sooner than later. So, Jack, your your thoughts on on right now on what's going on, and and we're going to get into the NFL uh, at the end of the show. But I want to talk a little bit about what happened in Dallas. The NFL owners have been in the news the last couple of years for the wrong reasons. Right now, we have a a young lady who uh, claims, alleges she's Jerry Jones' biological daughter, that her mother ended up hooking up with Jerry uh, after she got, uh, you know, she was a, a flight, uh, either a, a tendon or something, or a, a ticker hander out or whatever they call them. And they hooked up and, and uh, they had an affair. Uh, she left her husband. And, uh, you know, she's been, she's been being paid by Jerry Jones. The mother has, and so has the child. Uh, she's been, um, um, taken care of in lump sums and special funding and annual funding. Um, you know, there's, there's, uh, I, her name is Alexandra Davis and she's suing Jerry Jones presently. I mean, I don't know what she's suing him for more money or, or, or the name or, or what it is. Uh, but she has filed suit. And of course, Jerry Jones, uh, has been pretty quiet about it. Uh, again, another owner, Jackie, he had Snyder, he had crafted a public massage place, uh, Dallas with the cheerleaders. And now this, it seems like it's coming hot and heavy on, 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 
with social media in that. Yeah, you know, this isn't a matter for the NFL to act up on. Let's say everything is true. What's the NFL supposed to do? I mean, reprimand Jerry Jones. This is a completely non-football matter, and it's not a criminal matter either. Does it have some morality issues? Of course it does. I mean, the young lady's 25 years old now. She's been successful professionally in the sense that, you know, I mean, she worked, you know, for the White House when uh, Trump was the president. She's a, you know, a professional, you know, within her field. Uh, And it's, uh, but what's the purpose of this to go public, to sue Jerry Jones? What exactly is it? Does she want a relationship with him? If she wants a relationship with him, she's not going about it the right way. And as far as Jerry Jones goes, he was married at the time with kids, if it's true. And that's not a good look. How would his wife have reacted? Would she have left him? Would it be another Arnold Schwarzenegger thing, like with Maria Shriver? You know, you have another child, you know, out of wedlock, you know, and your wife has no idea what's going on. So is it true Jerry Jones paid the money? And if it's a confidential confidentiality agreement, should it ever come out if it's signed it? I mean, what? And I, but I can also understand the young lady. She was one year, one year old, supposedly, when it was signed or whatever. And she's an, she'd be an innocent victim here. She didn't agree to anything when she was one year old. But what is, are the motives here? Is, it, is the, does she really want to have a relationship with her dad? Listen, there was a similar case like this, but I shouldn't say exactly. The uh, great major league manager, Tony La Russa, he had two daughters when they were ages three and four, and he basically just abandoned them. He just completely abandoned them and now they're the two of them adults. Uh, Tony LaRusso started another family and had two other daughters. And they started and they sued him. And that and they said they were doing it basically out of hurt to try to get his attention, to get a relationship. That how do you just leave your kids when they're three and four? You yeah. know, but it was a little different in the case of Tony LaRusso, I think, than Jerry Jones. Cause with Jerry Jones, he uh you know, he, he, this is a married man with a family. And then if something like that did happen, and then, and then we also, let's wait and see, because we don't know whether this is true or not, what's being said as far as Jerry Jones goes. Yeah. Okay? Just I mean, know, the, only, but- the, only, the only proof you have is that he's made payments. And according to the young lady's lawyers, that, that, uh, that you know, not, non-disclosure or whatever agreement they had, was with him and her mom, not her, even though she was receiving uh, money from it. So this is why they're doing that. It's got to be about money, Jack. That, that that would be the only thing I could see. Uh, I mean, I, I wouldn't sue somebody if I wanted them to be close to me, as you just said. No, so. no, you get in touch with them. You meet them privately. You know, with Jerry Jones, you sit down, you talk. And if you really want a relationship, you'll say, look, if I could see us once in a while on the side, you know, we can meet, get to know one another, you know, that type of thing. Listen, I mean, you have, 
you know, you have case. I mean, it, it, it's an embarrassing look for Jerry Jones, put it that way. It has to be very uncomfortable. You know, he's 79 years old. He's dealing with health issues now. That's what the reports are. So that's a concerning thing, you know, as well. Oh, I agree. I agree, Jack. But it's just, it seems funny that in the last, and I think other owners have things in their closet too. There's a lot of money there. There's a lot of opportunity there. And we just don't know about it. And, you know, it, it to me, it's it's uh, uh, more uh, uh, a gossip thing than it is really about sports. But since it's Jerry Jones and he's the most, probably the most popular owner in the National Football League, it's big news. But there's so, nothing the NFL, I think, could do or should do about no, this. No, Let's say problem. Jerry Jones was giving hush payments. Let's say it's completely true. He didn't break any laws, you know, right. per se. You know, the morality aspect, that's something that should be dealt with, not within the Dallas Cowboy family, but within his own family. That's the most damaging thing to Jerry Jones. What would his wife, you know, be thinking of all these years, you know? Yeah. If that was true. Very true. Very true, Jack. So I want to get this going, even though Carter is not here yet. He's supposed to pop in at 830. But me and you can start this off, Jack. So, ladies and gentlemen, every Thursday, me and Jack, we take a look at the NHL uh, standings, scores, any news that's going on. And we're going to start off, of course, uh, with the standings. Um, very, very interesting uh, how the – it seems like the Eastern Conference is very top-heavy heavy compared to the West Conference, Jack, for example. Um, if you look at it, the Panthers are 39-13. and 13. This is – this is in the Atlantic Division. Tampa Bay's 37 and 13. Toronto 37 and 16. The Bruins are 34 and 18. And the closest team to them, of them four, is Detroit, but they're 19 points back. So it's going to be very rough for Detroit to get a shot at any four of those teams and maybe get themselves a spot. And then if you go into the the uh, Metropolitan Division, uh you got um, the Hurricanes at 39 and 12, the Rangers at 36 and 16, the Penguins at 34 and 15, and the Capitals at 31 and 18, and the Blue Jackets are 13 points back. Uh, so, I mean, if you look at the, the Eastern Conference, it's really the top four teams and everybody else and, and both divisions, Jack. So teams like that have been there before, like the – the, you know, the Islanders and, 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 you know, the 70, the 76ers, the uh, Flyers and, and, and all these other teams have kind of dropped by the wayside uh, in the East. It's just, it's, it's very top heavy in the East right now. And in the West now, this is where I thought that it would be a little more top heavy than the East. And there's where all the races are really happening. I mean, if you look at it, 
if you look at it in the in the in the central division, the Avalanche is really running away with the division at 41-12. But then you got the Blues at 32 and 17, the Wild at 33 and 19, the Predators at 32 and 20. But the Stars are only one point back over there. And there's another team I don't have it with on me right now that's only like three points back. So they still got a competition going over there. And then if you look at, at the Pacific Division, Calgary is uh, at 34 and 15. The Kings at 32 and 19. The Knights at 32 and 22. The Oilers at 31 and 23. But the Canucks and the Ducks are just like two games out of it. So it's very competitive over in the Pacific right now. I don't know what favors, how that favors either conference, Jack. I don't know if it's better to have four teams that are dominating or to have more competition. I don't know, Matt, but I think it's just a question of getting in the playoffs. This isn't the NBA where usually the top teams, the top seeds are going to make it to the finals. You know, the trade deadline is March 21st. That's only 11 days away. And I think there's going to be a lot of activity a couple of days before the trade deadline. I think this teams are still waiting to see who's in contention, who's, you know, who's slipping a little, who wants to make a move. Certain teams have hope in the next week, maybe winning five in a row, maybe having a chance to get the playoffs. But certain teams, you know, are going to be buyers. Certain teams are going to be sellers. And it looks like even the Islanders are going to be sellers. Who would have ever thought that? Ooh, yeah, especially after the last two years. Um, there was only a couple games uh, last night in the in the NHL. Um, uh, kind of an off night for them. You had uh, the Oilers beating the Capitals 4-3 and the Canucks beating the Canadians 5-3. Uh, to three. You know, they, they, they had where Eichel went back to the Buffalo Stadium, uh, the Buffalo Arena where he played for the Sabres. And Eichel was was a, a legitimate superstar, Jack. I, was, I think he was second overall draft drafted for the by the Sabres. He came in right away, started st- scoring goals in his first year. Um, you know, he got that $80 million contract with him. Um, and, of course, the injury happened, and there was a big, big um, problem between him and management about how to resolve that. And – I guess he was saying that, Jack, that, you know, when they were talking to him about coming back to Buffalo and playing, that he just didn't really want to be around another rebuild. Well, he's coming back tonight, Mac. The right, right. Right. Las Vegas, Golden right. Knights, Buffalo tonight. Right. So he was saying he didn't want to be part of that rebuild uh, again. And you would think with a player of that stature that Buffalo would have been able to get some really good players to, to – to join him, to come around him. And they didn't, weren't able to put that together. And, you know, I, he, he said he's happy being with the, with the Knights, a contender right now. And, and of course that, that was his home for so many years. And it leads me to the question, Jack, there are certain teams that always have a problem, you know, becoming competitive. The Sabres of course are one of them. Detroit hasn't been competitive for a while. <clears throat> And, and I, I'm thinking it's not so much the coaching and the players. It's got to be management. I mean, if you look, you look at, you look right now as we've had the Philly sports guy on, you know, and he's talking about what happened to the Flyers, how they changed management. And 
that's I, I think that's what it's gotta be. I think you've gotta you've gotta clear out the management and get better people in there in Buffalo, you know, in in and now in the Flyers and even the Canadians. I mean, they put together a heck of a run last year and they let almost all their stars go. What are these guys thinking? Now, why would they do that, Jeff? Well, you know, the Canadians just went on a playoff run. They weren't that strong during the regular season. They barely got in the playoffs last year. And that's the NHL. The Canadians traded off a number of their players. They have two number one draft picks for the draft next year. And they're going to look to get more. I mean, they're going to trade off some of the guys they have now before the trade deadline. They're clearly thinking of the draft. The Canadians are in a full uh, rebuild. Uh, the Rangers have their backup goalie, Alexander Georgiev, okay, because, you know, he's going to be on the trading block in all probability because uh, Igor Shesterkin, their goalie is, their starting goalie has been phenomenal this year, phenomenal. Yeah. He's an MVP-type candidate. And Georgiev, no, no matter where he goes, the team's going to have him under a team-friendly contract for a while. So he could be a really valuable asset. And backup goalies in hockey, even though they're important, they're not as important as, let's say, a backup quarterback in football because goalies are less likely to get injured. So whoever's your starter, the only times he's really not going to play isn't going to be because of injury. It's going to be because uh, they want to give him a rest on a given day. But, you know, there are going to be moves made around the league, and some teams are going to be close to being over the top. They're going to feel they're going to try to make certain deals. Like the Islanders, uh, Zadino Shara, their defenseman, he's 44 years old, longtime Boston Bruin. He came to the Islanders this year. He played the most games in NHL history by a defenseman. There's no reason for the Islanders to keep him the rest of the year. Because what value is he going to have to the Islanders? They're not going to the playoffs. But with certain established players in the league, they have a they have a, a lot of respect by the front offices. They don't want to just trade them anywhere. So they'll sit down with the players. Like Lou Lamorello would sit down with Chara and say, do you want to be traded? Where do you want to go? And they'll try to accommodate them. I mean, certain longtime players have earned that respect. And they're usually given it. Yeah, I think hockey's a lot different than a lot of different sports when it comes to trades and 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 to dealing with players. I think it's more together over there. Um, the Islanders are, are 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 such a the ultimate bad story this year, right? I mean, they're here. They are. They're knocking on the door again, uh, playing for a, a chance to to win the uh, Stanley Cup. But last year they were it. The year before they were it too. They open a brand new arena. The people are excited. Um, you know, uh, the Islander fans are going crazy, and and they just they just laid an egg this year, Jack. They just, I mean, I I really don't know what the major difference was this year. A couple of players left, and they picked up a couple of other players, but there was no major overhaul of the Islanders. They just, it just either people have figured, maybe people have figured them out, maybe the other teams have figured them out, Jack. I don't know. I know sometimes, you know, a team hits a certain peak and we don't recognize it. The Islanders came very close to going to the Stanley Cup Finals for two years in a row. They had a lot of good young players. So what are we going to think? We're just going to think that they're going to get better and better and better. 
and they're one step away. But we never think maybe that was their peak, you know, coming close against the Tampa Bay Lightning two years in a row in the playoffs. And they apparently they went as far as they can go. But it's hard to believe with all the talent on the Islanders that they would go into a rebuild next year. Was it just an off year, a bad year? I mean, I'm puzzled what went wrong. But you're right, Mac. You couldn't have written out a worse scenario for the Islanders. You open a new arena and and to have this type of season, wow, it couldn't it couldn't have been worse for the Islanders this year. Yeah, and I, I really don't know, you know, Carlos says fire the coach, and you know, I, I don't know where the blame lay, lies on, you know, on that situation there. Barry Kratz, the Islander coach, would get a job within a day of after oh, yeah. getting if, if there were jobs, any jobs available, he'd be high on just about any team's list, okay? Barry Trotz, he's not the reason. He's one of the more respected coaches in the NHL. And I, and I agree. I shouldn't say it's not the reason. The coach has to take responsibility. I don't mean it that way. But to think it's strictly a coach problem, I mean, you have to do a review with the whole organization. But... Barry Trotz, he's going to be with the Islanders next year. I can't envision Lou Lamorello, the GM, you know, ever letting him go. I can't either, Jack, to tell you the truth. Because, again, you know, there are a few coaches out there that are highly, uh, uh, you know, sought after. And Trotz is one of them, whether you like him or not, whether some people like him or not. He'll he'll be, like you said, as soon as he leaves the Islanders, he'll have a job within that day. I mean, it, it would be too quick. So, you know, you, you got the trade line, deadline coming up. You've got teams that are still in the hunt, I would imagine, in the West Divisions. The ones that are still close will be, you know, will be buyers. And the ones like the Islanders and the Sabres and, and you know, the Flyers uh, will try to unload as much as they can and try to get as many draft picks as they can. Always exciting when the trade deadline comes up in any sport because this is where sometimes, you know, playoff winners are made. So it should be, it should be really cool to see what happens there. So, folks, we're going to take our first break today on the other side we'll be back and we'll be talking about a lot of nba a lot of things happened in the nba as far as games and streaks and and what's going on so uh we're gonna we'll be right back after these messages we'll get into the nba and then we'll get into the nfl hot and heavy um i do have i do have an announcement i'm almost going to make um and we'll get to that later it's a big announcement and I'm not really going to make an announcement, but I'm going to tell you something's going on in the world of boxing that you guys should be paying attention to uh, within the next couple of weeks. So uh, we're going to be right back, folks, after these messages. Uh, let's see if I can time this better. There you go. You worked too hard, you ate too much, the cheesecake made you greedy. But your aching head and stomach here, this message from Old Speedy. Alka-Seltzer, plop, plop, fizz, fizz, oh, what a relief it is. Plop, plop, fizz, fizz, oh, what a relief it is. Those Speedy bubbles relieve your upset stomach and headache fast. For acid indigestion alone, Alka-Seltzer Gold. Oh, what a relief it is. What a relief.
If you served honorably in our nation's armed forces and you're looking for a way to continue serving your fellow veterans in your community, then join AMVETS. Each year, AMVETS members volunteer millions of hours at VA healthcare facilities from coast to coast, helping to improve the lives of their fellow veterans through the VA Voluntary Services Program. AMVETS posts and departments also participate in a wide variety of community service projects, ranging from Americanism in our schools to supporting the Special Olympics and Boy Scouts of America. If you no longer wear the uniform today, you can still serve through the AMVETS by joining today at AMVETS.org. Some other kids got caught drinking beer in the park a couple of nights ago. Really? Yeah. Zero tolerance. He's out for the season. Come on, it's the first offense, right? That we know of. But why should that matter? He knew not to drink. I've made it clear to Matt that that's what we expect from him. What have you said to Tim? Um, nothing really. You know, a lot of kids try it at this age, so... I... Yeah, well, a lot of kids don't try it, too. I'm not saying that Matt's going to be this perfect kid, but if I don't tell him what we expect and why he shouldn't drink... How's he going to know? You think kids that age really listen? <laughs> they never admit it, though. But they hear more than you think. Talk. They hear you. For more information about talking with kids about underage drinking, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. This is a presentation of Northeast Streaming Sports.
and Jack Sports Show on Northeast Streaming Sports. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to the Mac and Jack Sports Show. We're on live Thursday through Sunday, 8 to 10 a.m. This is our Thursday edition, and uh, guess what, Jack? We do have Carter. He's having technical difficulties. So we'll go in and ask him some of the questions. Uh, we already went through the uh, the uh, standings and games. There were only a couple last night. But definitely want to get uh, Carter's opinions on some of the things we were talking about. How you doing today, Carter? Hey, guys. Sorry about that. I just had a bit of a problem uh, joining the invite today. Yeah, That's hi, good. Carter. I guess the Islanders have rubbed off on you a little bit. Their play. <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. They uh, – <laughs> They annoy me. Huge Islander fan. So, so Carter, I was talking to Jack. How top heavy the East Eastern Conference is this year? You got basically the four teams in each division, and really, there's nobody. There's nobody close after that. In the West, though, there are still some teams alive. In you know, if you're if you're a, a coach. On any of those teams, what do you think is a better situation that you know pretty much that you're in the playoffs and that you ain't got no competition coming up behind you? I love my grammar with ain't. Or are, are, are you, do you want to be in that battle all the way to the playoffs, Carter? Um, I, I would say the first option, I think, uh, well, I guess it depends where you're at in the standings. If you're, if you're a team that's, uh, that's looking to get in. Like if you're on the outside looking in, I'm sure the second option's better because you're not out of it just yet. But if you're looking at it from a team that's already in the playoffs, I'm a, then the first option would obviously be better then because, you know, you don't have to worry about any outside team kind of taking your spot. Right. So, um, and to be completely fair in the East too, I mean, I, I feel like all they, you know, all the only teams that really got to worry are the two teams that are in the wild card slots right now. And I believe that's, uh, I want to say it's Boston and Washington. Um, right. And even then, I, I don't think anybody on the outside, you know, like the, I mean, I know the Blue Jackets are out there. I think the Red Wings and the Islanders are too. Uh, I don't see any of those teams making a push to get in at this point. So, Carter, they changed the playoff rules. Last year was the first four teams. This year's the first three plus wild cards, right? Can you explain that? Uh, yeah, I mean, well, the, the, the way that they're doing it this year is just the way that it's been all along pretty much. Uh, it's the top three teams in each division to guarantee a spot. And then after that, it's just two wild cards that, you know, pretty much get to battle it out for the final two spots. So, um, yeah, last year they uh, they only did the top four in each division, which, um, you know, it was nice for the time being. But, uh, you know, I, I think it was just them trying to make the best out of the uh, out of the situation that they had with the, you know, with the shortened season and whatnot. Right. I mean, I mean, right now, as you were saying, Carter, like, in, in the uh, Atlantic Division, the closest team to the Bruins is like 19 points back. Uh, and in the Metropolitan right now, uh, the Blue Jackets are 13 points back. And there's not a lot of games left, really. I mean, they would have to go on an incredible winning streak, hope other teams, uh, the top three teams, falter big time. But in the West, if you're looking at it, I mean, uh, you're, you're talking um, – um, you know, the Avalanche is pretty much running away with it, but you got the Stars that are only a game back of the Predators, 
Uh, you've got the Canucks and the Ducks are still alive over in the Pacific Conference. And that's what I mean. I mean, would you rather have your team ready to fight or, or getting ready for the playoffs? I mean, I don't know which one would be better. A lot of people say, for instance, in the NFL, the wildcard team has to play all the time. They don't get no buys. There's no home field advantage. So the team kind of bonds together and they're going to, you know, they're going to beat the world. And then you got the teams at the top that are kind of sitting there waiting and either they get rusty or they get complacent and they don't take it as seriously as these wildcard teams do. And that's why I asked the question. I mean, I don't know if hockey is the same way. I mean, I, I don't know too many wildcards that have gone on and won the Stanley Cup. I'm not sure how many did that, but I imagine there's been a few. Uh, yeah, I, I think the most recent example I want to say is the 2012 LA Kings, but um, yeah, it doesn't happen too often. I mean, um, there's no first round buy in the Stanley Cup playoffs. You just, you know, you, you keep playing regardless of where you're at in the standings. So, um, yeah, I, I, I can't think of many wildcard teams that have gone on to, you know, to win the cup. I mean, there have been some in recent memory that have gone some some fairly deep playoff runs, but outside of that, I really can't think of any that have, you know, that have uh, gotten all the way to the, to the top of the summit. Yeah, uh, there's a, uh, the trade deadline's March 21st. Uh, to give it a little bit of a comparison uh, between football, the NFL, the LA Rams traded away. They had no hesitation to trade away draft choices ever to get, you know, established players, and it resulted in them winning a Super Bowl title. Is there any team in the NHL who couldn't care less about draft choices in the sense that if they can get established players, they'll trade away all those future picks? I mean, who would come closest in the NHL to disregarding draft choices and going for established players? Um, Probably Colorado, if I had to guess. I think... Um... You know, I mean, they're sitting pretty right now top the uh, the NHL standings. I mean, you know, realistically speaking, I think they could lose out the rest of the season and they would still make the playoffs. So, um, you know, they're, uh, they're, they're a team that I think is going to make a lot of big additions for sure. Um, outside of that, though, I mean, it's really a bit foggy right now. I could see Carolina doing the same thing there. I, th I believe they're first place in the Eastern Conference at the moment. Um I don't know if they're necessarily going to trade away all their draft picks, but I could see the Rangers adding a lot. Um, I don't know. I mean, outside of that, it's really kind of just a wait and see type thing. I mean, um, like the, the NHL, I feel like there's a lot more. Uh, I feel like there's a lot more strategy, I guess, that goes into the trade deadline than just trading away draft picks and, you know, hoping you hit on something. It's, you know, there's a lot of planning. There's a lot of, um, you know, premeditating in terms of moves that you're going to make. And um, outside of that, I mean, it's really just, you know, like I don't see any of the wildcard teams making moves. Uh, I don't know who's in the wildcard in the West, but I believe the East is, I want to say, uh, Boston and Washington. So, right. um, yeah, outside of that, I mean, I guess I, I guess Colorado is my, uh, my main answer for that. No, Carter, in the NHL and NFL are close uh, are for the most part different anyway because you draft a player in the NFL and you expect them to come right in and start being a star. But there was one that played for the Buffalo Sabres that came in as a rookie, 18-year-old, second overall draft pick. Uh, and, of course, that was Eichel, who came in and, and right away almost became an instant star, got a big contract. He's going back to Buffalo to play. 
And there was a, a big story I read on him, how great he was and, and, and how he contributed to the Sabres right away. And his feelings kind of going back to Buffalo. And, of course, we know, you know, he had the problem with that injury and the management, uh, you know, didn't work with him and, and the Knights did. And, you know, he's kind of he's kind of happy being on a contender. He wanted to be on a part of another rebuilding, uh, you know, period with Buffalo. And I was talking to Jack about this, and it seems that there are certain teams, and I don't care whatever sport there is, that the management doesn't get it right. They don't know what to do or how to keep these good players and build around them. I know there's a lot to do as far as what team you are, where you're located, and all that stuff. But if you have some great players like Buffalo had with Eichel, like the Canadians had uh, last year with some of the young players, and, I, and and the draft picks, as I said, may not work out, may never work out. They may not work out for four or five years. What do you think is, is wrong with the management of some of these teams that let people like Eichel get away without building around them or, or the Canadians who put a Cinderella story together last year. And then also they're letting these players go or trading these players for draft choices. Why do you think they keep revolving doing the same thing over and over again? Um, I, I don't think it's everybody who does that. I think it's just certain, you know, certain teams just kind of, you know, strike out in terms of their luck, um, you know, with, uh, with management. I mean, I, I know Buffalo's gone through, I'll say two or three GMs since Eichel was drafted back in 2015. And uh, they've gone through a revolving door of coaches as well. So clearly, you know, something's not working out there in Buffalo. Um, I mean, one thing I do want to point out is that Eichel came out and said that if Buffalo were to let him get the surgery that he wanted, he would have stayed. Yeah. So this is just an issue on, um, you know, on, on Sabres management wanting to uh, implement the surgery that they would have wanted on their star player instead, which – if I'm being honest, I, I I don't really like the whole situation. I think you know, if the player is so confident in you know in in the surgery that he wants, I think you should just let him get it at this point. I know the whole situation's over, but um, I I just think you know if the player is so confident, then you know I, even if it's never been done on an NHL player before, I think you should just let him do what he wants. I mean, he's clearly done his research. He's not just you know. He's not just saying it for the point of going against management. I, you know, he's he's clearly confident in the surgery that he wants, and, um, you know, I mean, he he found a team that would let him get that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, in terms of management, though, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I think, um, I know they went out and and got Jeff Skinner uh, in 2018-19. I mean, he scored 40 his first season, but outside of that, he's had a few down seasons. Uh, he's picking up. Yeah, he's kind of picking it up this year, though, which is kind of nice to see. But um, outside of that, I mean, you never really saw Sabres management go to get, you know, other star wingers for Eichel or, you know, be able to attract players in free agency. And I guess at the end of the day, that has something to do with their record. I mean, um, you know, they, they've they've collapsed a few times in season. Uh, you know, they, they've they've looked like they'd make the playoffs and just hasn't worked out. So, um I don't know. Let's let's hope a few years down the line, this uh, this playoff drought finally ends for the uh, for the Buffalo Sabers. The big storyline tonight's what type of reception Eichel is going to get returning to Buffalo. I think it's going to be a warm one, only because I think the Buffalo fans are very unique. These are the fans who cheered for Scott Norwood when he missed the field goal that could have won them the Super Bowl. They cheered cheered wildly for him when you know the team came back. And I think he's going to get a positive reception. 
in contrast to Ben Simmons, you know, returning to Philadelphia tonight with the Nets, even though Simmons is just going to sit on the bench and not play like Eichel. But I, my feeling is Eichel gets a warm reception. If he doesn't, then my opinion towards the Buffalo fans as being the greatest fans in all the sports is then going to have to be reevaluated. But I don't think it will be reevaluated. I think they greet him warmly. Uh, yeah, I'm going to be honest. I, I don't think it's going to be as warm as you might think. I know, I know there are a lot of Sabres fans that are that are angry about the way that Eichel handled this. I know a lot of them are calling him a bit of a crybaby in terms of, you know, what he did in terms of wanting to, you know, to be traded. Um, and, I, I mean, if I'm looking at it, I mean, I know I'm not a Sabres fan, but I don't blame him at all. Like I said, if, if he's so confident in the surgery that he wants, Sabres management should have caved in and let him got you, you know let him so how do you greet him carter let's make believe you are safe a fan instead of an islander fan eichel comes back tonight how do you carter greet him i'm cheering for him okay there you go okay. with, with with the way that he's you know he's given a lot to that city i mean i mean geez he's, he's practically been the only good player on that dreadful sabers team over the course of the last couple of seasons so you know, to 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 boo him would be, uh, you know, a bit, um, a bit, uh, I guess, classless. I mean, I I can't really talk because Islander fans booed Tavares when he came back. But I mean, to be completely fair, at least the Islanders made the playoffs under Tavares. Buffalo did nothing under Eichel, so um, I don't know. I think it's going to be more of a. Was of it a really Eichel's fault? Because the Sabers did make moves a couple of years ago. We thought they'd be better than they were. It just didn't reflect on the ice. They had that horrendous losing streak, but they did make moves. It's not like they just went one different. Well, I mean, you know, I, I I don't think fans really care about that. They're gonna do what they want to do tonight, and um, you know, I mean, fans are gonna look at Buffalo uh, Buffalo's uh, you know tenure with with having Jack Eichel on their roster differently, and um. I, it's definitely going to be interesting to see. I actually have a friend going to that game, so um, you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully, he'll be able to to text me a few stuff and see if uh, you know it, how how Sabres fans are treating him during that tribute video in the first period. Jack brought out the 76ers, and you know, we have Jamie Pags, the Philly sports guy, on the show. He's livid about the management over in uh, Philadelphia right now. A company a corporation has bought him out, and the owner's not there anymore, and they're putting. Um, you know, different people in management that really he don't think really cares about the uh, the fans and the team as much as they do about making the dollars. And, you know, you, you look at stuff like that. It's happened before in other sports where major corporations have bought teams and they've kind of sunk because they're not really they're not sports guys. They're not really hockey guys. And I, I think I think there are a lot of management. Uh, I shouldn't say a lot, but there are a few management uh, uh, teams in all sports, including hockey, that really don't get it. And, uh, you know, I, I think that's a lot of reason why some teams either fall or stay down for a long time. One other thing I want to go uh, over with you, of course, we've got to talk about the Islanders a little bit. And, and can you imagine a worse scenario for a team this year, you know, getting their new stadium, the fans all excited, just getting or just missing getting in the into the Stanley Cup two years in a row, and here you are, you're ready to rock, and the bottom falls out. The Islander fans, I know, are very loyal 
Uh, but do you hear, you know, you being a fan, I don't know when's the last time you went to a game. Are the, are the games still sold out? Is there is there uh, is there dissension uh, when they're playing uh, booze and, and 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 things being yelled at the team? Um, I mean, I, I went on Monday, so there's definitely uh, you know, there's definitely a difference in um in in the way that uh, that fans go about going to games. I think, um, you know, I mean, during opening weekend was really the only time that it was legitimately packed. I mean, you, you'll have a weekend game here and there that's sold out, but um overall i mean you know the 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 team was able to climb itself out of the uh the slump they've been on a little bit but um i i would say the arena is still around 80 to 85 percent full I, I the attendance hasn't gone down a ton but um you know there are definitely booze here and there depending on how the uh how the team's doing i i know they uh they got shut out by seattle one game and that that was that was pretty bad in terms of the reception that they got so um but uh, yeah, I mean, they play again against Columbus tonight, and they play. I want to say they play tomorrow against Winnipeg and Sunday against Anaheim. So they got a lot of home games coming up in a short stretch here, and um, you know, most of those are against opponents that are out of the playoffs. So uh, you know, I know the Islanders are out too, but hopefully they can kind of capitalize on this, and um, you know, even though they're they're probably not going to make the playoffs, just kind of catch the momentum and uh, you know, just end the season out on a good note. Now, Mark Giordano's the captain of the Kraken. He, I guess he's on the trade block. Uh, you know, he uh, he was with the Flames like a long, long time. Forever. He played close to 1,000 games. He was captain of the Flames, and he, he wasn't protected in the draft. I mean, imagine that. You give your whole career to a team, and they don't protect you in the draft. So the Kraken made him a captain of that team, too. It hasn't worked out. I mean... So talk about a number of guys being on the trading block. You know, with the Islanders, uh, Chara's played more games than any defenseman in history, and he might be on the block. You know, we were talking about it before you came on. There's a certain respect some of these guys are given who've been in the NHL forever, where GMs have a heart. They won't just trade them anywhere. They'll sit down with the player. Because I think what the public doesn't realize, these guys uproot their families. Their kids are going to school in a certain city. And for them to just pick up and leave on the snap of a finger, I mean, that's very, very difficult. Yeah, I, I know uh, Chara's family isn't even on Long Island right now. I know they're still in Boston at the moment. So, um, I, and, uh, you know, obviously with Zidano playing on Long Island, now, uh, on the Islanders now, it's... Uh, you know, I'm sure it's a bit of a tough arrangement for him. I don't see him going anywhere at the deadline, if I'm being honest. Um, although I haven't really been a fan of the way that he's played this season. But, uh, um, yeah, I mean, I, I would think that if he goes anywhere, the return would have to be almost too good to turn down. And uh, at, at his age and the way he's played this year, I just I don't I don't really see them getting a getting a return like that. So, yeah, you got to think of the return you're going to get for any player that you're going to that you're going to release. Um, so, uh, yeah. All right, Carter. Thanks. I mean, thanks for coming, coming in, even after the technical difficulties, always a pleasure talking to you. You learn a little bit more every time you're on. You have a great day, Carter. And, uh, we'll talk to you next Thursday. You got it guys. Have a good one. Thanks. Carter. So there you go, folks. Carter B. Next Thursday with the trade deadline. It's going to be good to talk well, about hockey next week. Yeah, sure. definitely, definitely. So uh, it'd be great having him on there. So, Jack, let's let's turn our attention to the NBA. I go through the standings, get everybody caught up. 
and and some of the games and the interesting stories in the NBA. And, and there's a lot of things happening um, with with the NBA. Different teams are starting to make little runs here, and different teams are are playing really well. And of course, we know what happened. Uh, with Harden going to 76ers and the West champions are first place guys playing the East first place guys. So let's go to standings real quick. Miami and the East are still in first at 44 and 23. The Bucks right behind them, two games at 42 and 25. The 76ers at 40 and 24. The Bulls at 40 and 26. The Celtics play an excellent ball right now at 40 and 27. Cleveland at 38 and 27. In the West, you have the Suns at 53 and 13, the Grizzlies at 45 and 22, tied with the Warriors in second right now, the Jazz at 41 and 24, Dallas at 40 and 26, and the Nuggets, I think they won four in a row at 40 and 26 also. So uh, Denver playing pretty good ball right now. So if you if you if you look at the games last night, Jack, there were some really interesting games last night, uh, including our Knicks. Which I don't know what the heck's happening over there right now, but the Bucks uh, beat the Hawks one twenty four to one fifteen. Raptors over the Spurs one nineteen to one hundred four. The Knicks beat Dallas one hundred seven to seventy seven. The Jazz over Portland one twenty three to eighty five. The Bulls over the Pistons one fourteen to one hundred eight. You had the Celtics beating the Hornets one fifteen to one hundred one. The Suns uh, the first place in the West beating the Heat. 111 to 90. The Rockets beating the Lakers in overtime, 139 to 130. The Timberwolves beating the Thunder, 132 to 102. Magic 108. Pelicans 102. The Clippers beat the Wizards, 115 to 109. And the Nuggets got by the Kings, 106 uh, to 100. So are we going to break up the Knicks now? They've won three in a row. There are only three games out of the 10th spot. Uh, they beat the Clippers. They beat the Kings. They beat Dallas. Randall has come on lately. Barrett's playing great ball. Some good bench play. I mean, what is your assessment? Why are they starting to win now, Jack? Mac, the Knicks aren't good. Mac, you are the ultimate front runner. Mac, they win three in a row, and now you're getting excited. You're thinking the Knicks are playoff contenders in the 12th spot. They're two spots out of a play-in position. They're not going to make it into the play-in position. I mean, they have to pass a couple of teams. One of them is Charlotte, who's been a little disappointing. Their record slipped on the 500. They're not going to beat out teams like the Atlanta Hawks. Forget about the Knicks this year. Forget about it. The Knicks are basically, you know, moving one sand pile from one end to the other. So they win three in a row. <clears throat> Big deal. I mean, the best you could say about the Knicks is they're not awful. Okay, they're not awful. They're a below average team. Okay, they're bad teams. Let's not say the Knicks are a bad team. The best we could say they are a below average team. They're not going to make the play in. They had a good game last night. For some reason, they own Dallas. I think they yeah. won their last five against Dallas or something like that. Uh, and Dallas is always been a little bit of an underachiever. We expected a little more when they made that Porzingis deal. That didn't quite work out. I'm going to tell you, Mac, about the NBA, there's certain teams that aren't thought of as being potential NBA champions, but they're doing a lot better than thought. 
The Minnesota Timberwolves are like nine games over 500. They've completely slipped under the radar. They're not likely to win any NBA title, but they're playing better than th we thought. Listen, look at the LA Clippers. They don't have Leonard or George this year, yet they're over 500. They're somehow getting it done. Ty Lewis done a fine job. There's coach. Uh, the Toronto Raptors have been like a bit better than we think. And then there's the Boston Celtics. I love what's going on in Boston. They've went on a big surge. You know, the last month of this season, the Boston Celtics have really been just about as good as any other team in the NBA. That's yeah. going to mean a lot going to the playoffs. They didn't really break the Boston Celtics up. They had team meetings, and they just decided they had to play better with the guys they had. And Jalen Brown, you know, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, the rest of the guys, they've gotten it together. They are a serious NBA title contender. And, of course, you know, there's the Milwaukee Bucks. This, you know, we, we look at the Bucks, we look at the Sixers, we maybe look at the Heat. But we don't look quite at the other teams the way we should. Notice I didn't mention the Nets. Nets are probably going to be in the play-in position. It's highly doubtful that they're going to be in the top six. Highly doubtful. And that's going to be a one-and-done thing. They might play a team like uh, Charlotte. And Charlotte might get just one hot shooting game and bump the Nets. I think the Nets were looking towards next year, you know, with them. I don't really consider them a serious threat this particular season. I, I they thought this was going to be the year, Jack. From last, we year. thought last year was going to be the year. We thought this year, but next year the COVID restrictions look like they're going to be lifted. And if Kyrie is willing to play the whole year, take basketball seriously the whole year, and Durant stand, if Ben Simmons is in form, they keep, you know, Drummond and Curry, who they got in the deal. Joe Harris, their three-point sharpshooter, supposedly will be back. You know who's been really good this year with the Nets? No one talks about LaMarcus Aldridge. He's been really, really good. He's been one of the better players on the Nets, but he gets nary a mention. Yeah, and you look at the 76ers with Harden back in the lineup, easily over the Bulls. Uh, you know, I, I just they were a threat this year. The Sixers, the oh, there's no they doubt. Were a threat this year, there's no doubt about it. You, you mentioned the Celtics winning the last, you know, four games with Tatum just staying hot. Um, but you're right. The Celtics had a lot of team meetings and they kind of worked it out. And and you know, maybe that's coaching. Maybe that's the team getting together. And 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 you know, they were always supposed to be with those two big ones. Uh, the too big, the big two to to be a threat. Maybe this year is their year to to raise a little bit of heck. Who knows? I mean, it'd be interesting to see how it works out. Um, and the Grizzlies. Don't forget about the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies are surprising everybody. Who thought they'd be tied in second in the West? Well, with Jay Morant, I don't look at them as being a real title contender. But I'll tell you, Jay Morant has come into zone as a real star in the league. I think Jay Morant's name is always going to be linked to Zion Williamson because they went 1-2 in the NBA draft. I don't want to hear people now saying, well, the Pelicans should have taken Jay Morant over Zion Williamson. Zion Williamson was the logical pick, but Jay Morant was such a dynamic player coming out of college. The thought was, look, it's not so bad to go number two in the draft. This way you don't have to make a decision. Jay Morant just falls into your lap. 
And it's going to be interesting to see what goes on in New Orleans with Zion Williamson. Because let's face it, you know, he's got to lose weight. He's been overweight there. He's been hurt. And are the Pelicans going to give up on him at some point? Because if they do and they make a trade for him, anyone getting Zion Williamson is going to get a potential superstar if he's healthy. Because Zion Williamson can do everything on the court when he's healthy. Don't sell his game short. But if you're not on the court, you're not doing your team any good. And he hasn't been on the court for the Pelicans. And as a result, the Pelicans... You know, uh, are not in a good position. They're not going to be in, you know, the playoffs. The playing. Well, you, you talk about Morant. I mean, look at Barrett compared to Zion too. I mean, you know, the the the, the five picks after Zion. Uh, it's 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 crazy how you get somebody that. Well, Barrett went third. You know, right. Zion went first. Morant second. Barrett third. And that was the right selection. Yeah. You know, this isn't the type of thing where. Like Portland made a mistake taking Sam Bowie ahead of Michael Jordan. That was a mistake, you could argue at the time, a big mistake. But it wasn't a mistake. Zion has just been hurt. That's all yeah. that's been to it. And, and it but hasn't was, been his fault. But you know, Maybe Jack, there, there, there was concern about him coming out of college being hurt. I mean, there was concern about that before he was drafted. So I mean, he did have he did have injuries in college also. So I mean, there was concern. So you could say maybe, you know, that's the right order, but maybe a team that maybe looked forward more, he was getting injured in college because of his size uh, at, at his height. Maybe that wasn't the right, maybe that wasn't the right order, Jack. Well, the question is his dedication. That's what I kind of wonder about. How dedicated is he? Is How badly does he want it? Let's compare his attitude to Clay Thompson. Clay Thompson suffers a horrific injury He's working, working, working for a year and a half to just get himself back because it means so much to him. He had so much drive and determination to get back to play. Does, he, does Zion Williamson have the same? I don't know. I haven't heard anything to say that he does, but you know, but I'm not behind the scenes to know what's going on through his head. How hard is he truly working? You know, I'm questioning that a little bit. It's a valid question, Jack. So uh, let's talk a little bit about the Lakers, and I'm going to stop talking about them pretty soon because they're just not a valid team anymore. Uh, lost six out of the last seven, four and 13 in the last 17 They games. lose to the Houston Rockets last night, one of the oh. worst teams in the NBA. I am sick of the Lakers, Mac. I'm only talking to them as a courtesy to you. <laughs> you, okay. you. You feel about the Lakers the way you say I feel about Aaron Rodgers. You keep bringing them up, bringing them up, bringing them. We're not an LA sports, you know, radio true. station. It's but true. You love talking about your Lakers, Mac. Well, if you look at the history of basketball, what is it? The Lakers and the Celtics, right, Jack? So, um, you know, uh, there's a lot that you got to admit. You know, um, you got to admit LeBron's a lightning rod, and uh, you know he's he's in the news all the time, good and bad, and. Uh, you know, even with uh, you know, even with your man there, Westbrook dropped thirty, and they still couldn't get it done. So uh, uh, Westbrook was complaining about you know his family, them, him being booed and and yelled at on the court, and his family and the legacy and all this stuff. I don't know if I feel bad for the guy or not. Um, he just went cold for games for weeks. He went cold. Uh, hopefully, he gets it together. I do. I do like Michael Westbrook. I don't. I don't hate the guy. I think he 
is one. Uh, Russell Westbrook. Russell, sorry, his brother Michael too. I'm going to uh, throw a little compliment to Russell Westbrook. Uh, not much of a compliment, but a little bit, you know, in regards to his game. Uh, last year, when he was with the Washington Wizards, they were a little better team last year, marginally better. Not a, not a great <laughs> better, but marginally better with him, the Wizards, last year than they are this year. Yeah, It's not saying a great deal, but it, you know, it's a little bit. It's a little bit of a plus, you know, in his corner that they were slightly better with him than without him. We keep yeah. looking at the contribution to the Lakers, but we're not looking at how the Wizards were with him last year as opposed to not. So I can say something, you know, a little bit complimentary as far as that goes. Yeah, they said LeBron had a shot to win the game in regulation underneath the basket, kicked it out to Carmelo, who missed it and went to overtime, and then everything fell apart. So, uh, you know, um, LeBron playing, trying to play as best as he can. And uh, LeBron's trying to carry the team. He had a poor shooting game last night. Yeah. I think it's to the point where LeBron is trying to carry the team on his back, and it's just not going to work. The Lakers are going to be in the playing position. They're not going to be a top 16 for playoff position. They're too far back. Oh, and, sure. they're not, and, they're, and they're not going to lose their playing position because the teams behind them are just lousy, like Portland, San Antonio. They're not going to catch the Lakers. So the Lakers are going to have the one play-in play game. And about the best I could see in this Lakers season, maybe they win the one-game play-in because anyone could beat anyone for one game in the NBA. Sure. But then when they have a longer series, they're going to come unstuck. Oh, a word about Coach Pop at San Antonio. He's tied for the most wins amongst coaches in NBA history. One more win, he breaks the record. You wonder, Mac, what's go, going through coaches, Coach Pop's head, how he's been feeling with this San Antonio team the last couple of years. They won the play in last year. But this is a guy who's won five NBA titles. Not, and we're not even talking about international competition with the Olympics and so on. Five NBA titles. He had great players that he molded, you know, like Tim Duncan, David Robinson, Ginobili, Tony Parker. Those are the glory years. Yeah. Now he has just a so-so team, a team that's basically rebuilding. And we don't know when they'll ever be good again. But Coach Pop is there. And talk about love of the game. He's still with San Antonio. He's a San Antonio Spur lifer, you could say. He's not looking, apparently, to go anywhere else to coach. It's, this is where he's going to retire, San Antonio. He basically means to the San Antonio Spurs in large part what maybe you could say Coach K, you know, meant to Duke. Jim Bonheim means to Syracuse. And he's such a respected guy, Coach Pop. Uh, he really is. Yeah, he'll, he'll, he'll get the record this year. Maybe he retires after he gets the record, Jack. Who knows? Well, he doesn't have to retire. If he, if he enjoys coaching, yeah. he can still do it. He, he should be allowed to stay on indefinitely. Well, we'll see what happens. Uh, folks, we're going to take our last break for today. We'll be right back um, after these messages. Place. McDonald's is our kind of place. It's such a happy place. McDonald's is our kind of place. 
believes in getting food to your kids before they get to each other. Such good food, too. McDonald's famous French fries, triple thick creamy shakes, lean beefy cheeseburgers and hamburgers, icy cold soft drinks. And here's a plus, spill-proof lids on all beverages. Another plus, napkins that are big as a bib. Quality, cleanliness, extra care service. That's McDonald's, a total value that's unmatched anywhere. When you hear the word asthma, you probably think of shortness of breath, coughing, or inhalers. Lots of things can trigger asthma, but the fact is that asthma doesn't just attack, it can kill. But with proper medical management, asthma is controllable. If you experience shortness of breath, wheezing, tightness in your chest, or persistent nighttime coughing, you may have asthma. See your doctor and get the facts. You'll breathe easier. For more information, call 211-INFO-LINE. A message from the Connecticut Department of Public Health. Keeping Connecticut healthy.
Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to the Mac and Jet Sports Show on Live Roku TV, YouTube, and Facebook. I'm your host, Mac, with your co-host, Jack Hirsch. We're on live Thursday through Sunday, 8 to 10 a.m. And, Jack, I just played a, a little uh, promotion for the Keep the Dream Alive uh, benefit that we're doing 27 June. I forgot a restaurant in Granby, Connecticut, where we'll have you and a lot of other great guests uh, there tickets ten dollars uh, to benefit the Connecticut semi pro. ten dollars. It should have been higher, man. That's a bargain for people to show up. Are you kidding me? It sure Come is. on, you should have scaled the house like a higher price ticket, Mac. Which we probably should have scaled. Maybe we could scalp them later, Jack. I don't know, but uh, you know, we'll be uh, we'll all be there. We'll be doing two live shows. So uh, if you're in the area, uh, in the Connecticut area. Uh, check it out. Stop on down 27 June 3 to 9 as we got autographs, raffles, pictures, all that stuff. We'll be there uh, to support semi, uh, semi pro football teams, the Falcons, and the Enfield Northmen. So it'll be a, a real great, great time for everybody. Uh, so, Jack, we're going we're gonna to get into football now. And there was a lot of football news coming out. We talked about Jerry Jones a little bit. That's really not sports news. That's more tabloid stuff. But it is Jerry Jones, and he is a central figure in the NFL. But there's a lot of quarterback situations that have happened. And after the first domino fell, Aaron Rodgers re-signs with the Green Bay Packers for a mega deal, $200 million for four years, $153 million guaranteed. And then they turned around, and they franchise tagged Devontae, uh, Adams, the star wide receiver, I think it's for $20, 22000000 million. They put a franchise tag on it to keep him there for one year. Now, you know my opinion, Aaron Rodgers. I, I, I'm i not the biggest Aaron Rodgers fans, I, a fan. I think he's a great quarterback, one of the greatest quarterbacks in the history of football uh, as far as stats goes, wins goes, touchdown versus interceptions. He does have that one Super Bowl. Um, so he is a great quarterback. But I think that this signing for this amount is going to handcuff the Packers trying to get the type of players he said he wanted around him to go and get a Super Bowl. Because as you know, I don't care how many dummy years you put on after this, that and Devontae Adams' contract is very high. And the type of people they're going to have to get is going to be bargain people, Jack. So maybe the offensive line suffers. Maybe the defense suffers a little bit. So I really don't think the Green Bay Packers will win another Super Bowl in the next four years. Uh, we don't know. But listen, they're all in. I mean, that's what happens with the cap. I mean, every team has to take a hit. I mean, look at the Seattle uh, Seahawks. They just made a big deal and they had to release their, you know, longtime linebacker Bobby Wagner, who's been with them the last 10 years, made eight Pro Bowls. He had, you know, he had a non-guaranteed contract, so they were able to release him so they wouldn't take a hit under the cap. Maybe they re-sign him. You know, Aaron Rodgers is guaranteed a good sum of the money, but for the money he's not guaranteed, you never know. Maybe they come back to him late on. They ask him to take a little bit deferred. Mm -hmm. Listen, some players don't mind deferring their money or taking pay cuts. It, it's, you know, it's well documented the way that went on at New England. Certain players would keep taking pay cuts, amongst them Tom Brady, so they could bring in new talent. Certain players didn't pay. Manning never took pay cuts. Right. 
right? You know, he just felt this is what I deserve. This is what, you know, the market is for me. And I shouldn't have to give back any money. And I don't criticize anyone for not giving back money. Teams have to be creative under the cap. It's a win-now mode for the Packers. Uh, Are they thinking three years from now? No, not at all. But they know to keep Aaron Rodgers, they had to offer him the type of deal to show Aaron Rodgers, you know, we're with you 100%. We're completely committed to you beyond the shadow of a doubt. A two-year deal wouldn't have done that. Four-year deal, he's their quarterback not only now, he's their quarterback in the future. With the amount that they're paying Aaron Rodgers, you know there's no competition for, you know, as far as, you know, bringing in anyone else to replace Aaron Rodgers. And why would he? He was the MVP the last couple of years. Listen, it's not Aaron Rodgers' fault. It's not the Packers' fault. It's the structure of the NFL with the cap. That That's who you should really blame. Well, Packer fans are happy they got him, but they're a little concerned about how much they paid him. I would be too, but we'll see what happens. I mean, who was, who, who would you get to replace Aaron Rodgers, really? I mean, there's no other quarterback out there. Uh, as, there's, no, there's no one. They could have traded him to the Denver Broncos and got the similar package that the Broncos got for Russell Wilson. Maybe they even could have gotten a little more, but how would that have addressed the quarterback situation? Let's say Drew Locke goes to the Packers instead of Aaron Rodgers. How does that work out? Let's say the Packers let Aaron Rodgers go. Let's say they got Jimmy Garoppolo. They wouldn't have to give him Aaron Rodgers money, but they'd have to give him major quarterback money, make him one of the highest-paid quarterbacks in the league still. And no one's going to give you the value you could trade, you know, trade for. I get that Aaron Rodgers is going to give you. Let's face it, Patrick Mahomes wasn't going to be available. You know, Josh Allen wasn't going to be available. You know, so they were all in on Aaron Rodgers. They went all out. And listen, with this deal, all the Aaron Rodgers drama, the past, I think that gets put behind us. I hope. I think the Packer organization, what they invested in Aaron Rodgers Believe me, they put the drama behind them. And I think Aaron Rodgers re-upping with the Packers is putting it all behind him. I think all is good with Aaron Rodgers and the Packer organization and the Packer fans. And they're just looking forward. And I think they're going to be in a good place. Devontae Adams, that's the question. Is he annoyed about getting franchise tagged? What's he making, 20, 22 million for one year? Yeah, he probably is. He wants a long-term deal. But but if they franchise tag him again next year, they have to pay him something like maybe close to $30 million. So, you know, you can, as a player, Mac, you can do better being franchise tagged every year as opposed to signing a long-term deal. But it's risky if you get hurt, as long as you produce. That's why the Dallas Cowboys signed Zach Prescott to a long-term deal because they saw if they franchise tagged him one year at a time, he was going to make a lot more money than he would getting than he'd get on the long-term deal. And the Packers are aware of that with Devontae Adams. And let me say one more thing, Mac. Uh, I hate to talk about athletes being spoiled. I hate when fans talk about it. But if you're an athlete and you're franchise tagged, and let's say you're making $20 million, for one year, 
And let's say you've blown all your money in the past and you're broke and now you're starting a $20 million contract. And let's say you get injured. After taxes, Mac, you got $10 million. You could live off the interest the rest of your life as long as you don't live crazy and extravagant. You can be Com- you can live comfortably as a middle-class citizen, very comfortably the rest of your life, just on that one-year contract. Well, the, the problem with that is, Jack, that normally they live uh, at their means, at the money they make. So it ends up not working out for them. I, you know, again, I don't want to hear Aaron Rodgers next year complaining he doesn't have players. If he does, I'm going to send him a personal message. To stop crying. If he complains, oh, I want to see this, Mac. This if is what I want to see once, Jack. One time about not having uh, a good offensive line or not enough weapons around, anything like that. I'll send him a personal message. I'll tweet him a personal message. Stop. Now, I think, I think the pack organization is going to be in close communication with Aaron Rodgers. What they're trying to do, who they're trying to draft. The draft is going to be revealing. The Packers draft you know, high in the first round. I mean, when I say high, a good number of players are going to be off the board by the time they go, the real elite ones, but there's still going to be very good value at the end of the first round. Are they going to draft for offense? Are they going to see is there a receiver available? They're just going for the best player. Are they going to take a defensive play? If they do, they're going to talk to Aaron Rodgers. They're going to say, look, Aaron, do you feel you need help at so-and-so? Because we got this guy on defense too. What do you want us to do, Aaron? They're going to say. And I think they're going to have like a partnership. And Aaron Rodgers is going to love to be part of the process. I think they might even invite him. Why did they come with us and be in the draft room that night while we make the selections? You are so. Why should they do that? He's been with us 17 years. You are so in love with Aaron Rodgers. You are. Listen, didn't Tampa Bay let Tom Brady make all these moves? Why shouldn't they do with Aaron Rodgers? Listen. Well, because Tom Brady has won six Super Bowls and Aaron Rodgers won one. That's why. Okay. In 2017, Drew Brees walked into this same draft room the night they were drafting, and they were thinking of drafting Patrick Mahomes. They were going right behind the Chiefs. If uh, Sean Payton, the coach, loved Patrick Mahomes coming out of college, had Patrick Mahomes been available – the, had the Chiefs not taken them, the Saints would have taken Patrick Mahomes. And they told Sean, they told Drew Brees, look, Drew, if he's available, we're probably going to draft Patrick Mahomes. They didn't trade up for him, but they were going, I think, one, one spot after the Chiefs, and they absolutely would have taken Patrick Mahomes. But at least they communicated with Drew Brees. Packers didn't communicate with Aaron Rodgers and just trade it down for QB. That sends, you know, that sends a powerful message. Oh, stop already. Uh, the Russell Wilson goes to Denver, puts the AFC, I think, West on notice, Jack. Only 33 years old, still in the prime of his career if he's not hurt, which he was hurt a little bit. In my opinion, he's still a top five quarterback, whether whether you believe that or not. I do. Um, he was Mahomes before there was Mahomes. Man has a cannon for an arm, makes things happen, scrambles around, can run with the ball. Definitely a leader. Already won one Super Bowl with Seattle, went to two. So I think this gives Denver a, a heck of an opportunity, not only to make the playoffs, depending on how the team works out, because their defense is not bad, and he does have some uh, threats at wide receiver. 
this changes the whole outlook on AFC West. I mean, you had, of course, Patrick Mahomes and Kansas City Chiefs, the Chargers uh, with Herbert, and you got, uh, you know, Oakland, uh, Oakland, the Raiders, Las Vegas Raiders over there, and, and, and they're a decent team. But I think Denver made an unbelievable move picking up Russell Wilson uh, for the next few years. I think he's going to be he's going to be a heck of an asset. And I think Denver has become a a threat in the AFC West, Jack. You know, I'm sorry, Mac. I don't quite share the high opinion you share Russell uh, Wilson. Listen, Russell Wilson is a very, very, very good quarterback. Okay a very good, good quarterback, but I'm not going to call him like a uh, great quarterback in the sense of being on the level of Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers. He, he's a little beneath that. I mean, I he's know. just not, I, and listen, he's been hurt. He was basically an active, a good part of last year. He didn't look sensational when he played last year. You know, he showed flashes of being really good. Listen, He's much better than what Denver had. He's much better than Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke. He gives the Denver Broncos a legitimate top-of-the-line starting quarterback. He's top of the line. And when I look at Russell Wilson, I look at someone basically who's going to do for Denver what, let's say, a Zach Prescott's going to do for the Cowboys. These guys are solidly entrenched as a franchise quarterback. Okay, I, I don't think I don't he's think not he's not an Aaron Rodgers. Russell Wilson is not an Aaron Rodgers. I'm sorry. Wait a minute. Russell Wilson won one Super Bowl. He went to where he had a beast of Marshall Lynch offensive line. Same as Aaron Rodgers. And if you look at their stats, Jack, if you look at their stats in the last 10 years, Russell Wilson is one of the top three quarterbacks in the league, period. He's a heck of a quarterback. A heck of a quarterback. He's a Hall of Fame. He's a Hall of Fame quarterback. He's a Hall right, of Fame. But his best years could be behind them. That's could what be. I'm trying to he's say. He's only 33, Jack. Aaron Rodgers is 38. I think he's 36. He's 33. I just saw it today. He's 33 years old. He's been in the league 10 years. He was 23 when he came in. He's 33 years old right now. He's five years younger than Aaron Rodgers. So you're saying he's no Aaron Rodgers. I, you know, I, I'm not. I'm not saying. Well, I'm sorry if I got the age wrong, but the point is, Russell Wilson has taken a lot of beatings. Okay, a lot of beatings in his career, meaning he's been sacked over and over and over, and he just seems. Uh, I don't want to say a little long in the tooth. I think Russell Russell Wilson can have a very good year. Okay, very next correct. year for the Broncos. I think, do I think he's a difference maker for the Broncos? Absolutely. Okay. He's not just a game manager. He could be a difference maker as well, especially if you get him the weapons. So it does make the Denver Broncos a, a legitimate Super Bowl contender this move. Okay. But let me tell you something. If, if they were even going to stay with Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater, they were going to be a legitimate playoff contender regardless. Yeah. But is it worth what Denver gave up for him? You know, it's arguable. I'm not saying it's not. Denver had to address their quarterback situation. To come back with either Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater would have been depressing. Consider this. At the end of next season, Denver's going to have to 
do something in regard to Russell Wilson's contract. Sure. He's going to want a contract that's going to be comparable to Aaron Rodgers. He's just not worth it. He's not going to be a wor- uh, worth a three, four year please, investment please, after please. next year. At, 34, at that type of at money. Four years old, he's not worth it. And you're saying Aaron Rodgers is 38. Is. He's not a great, great quarterback. He's a Hall of Famer, Jack. He's uh, yeah, right. Listen, I'm, I'm comparing him to the Aaron Rodgers, the Tom Brady's. The oh, my. So am I. Other than last year, other than, other, than last, other than last year, Wilson has been in the same category as the same quarterbacks you're talking about. Same category. But no, no, he's been closer, but a little better, a little better to the Zach Prescott no, category. No. Zach, Prescott, that's, Zach Prescott is more comparable to Kirk Cousins if you look at their, you look at their stats, Jack. If you want to be honest, Dak Prescott is not that much better than Kirk Cousins. You look at the listen, stat. Th- listen, but there's a th- listen. One thing about Russell Wilson, he's smart, he's consistent, he's a competitor, you know. But there, there were questions with Russell Wilson too when he was with Seattle. How much of a leader he was. He didn't bring the locker room always that closely together. You know, there was there was talk that he seemed to be a little into himself, just a little bit. Oh, not like Aaron Rodgers. Not like Aaron Rodgers. No, Aaron Rodgers had the locker room at Green Bay. It was his front office. Aaron Rodgers was highly respected by the players. Jack, the Seattle Seahawks had been first in the division for I don't know how many years. They've been they've won the West Division, I don't know how many years under Russell Wilson, multiple, six, seven times. He's been the MVP, uh, MVP all pro level for at least eight of those 10 years. And you're going to tell me that he's no Aaron Rodgers. And no, you might be, and you might, you might be right to a point, but he's right there, Jack. He's right there with Brady Rodgers. Let me ask you this, Mac. Take the 32 GMs in the league. Right. If Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson, you could have either guy for one year. Oh, they you take, think they your team has a chance of they going to the Super Bowl? Yeah, all of them would take Aaron Rodgers. No, uh, that's sorry, the point. I, they, I, would I, all I, take, they would all take Patrick Mahomes. I agree. I agree. I I'm think they would all take Josh Allen uh, just about. You that's, know, that's a good that's a, that's I a mean, good but, but Russell, listen, with that said, it's a bold move by Denver. I'm not criticizing them for making this move. Now, well, look what that listen. What you're, what you're doing getting is in you're, giving, you're not giving Russell Wilson the credit he deserves, Jack. He's an elite quarterback. He's a Hall of Fame quarterback, Jack. He's not a I don't think he's in the prime of his career anymore. Well, I, I, mean, I, dis, I disagree with you there, Jack. At 33 years old, He's still in the prime of his career. You can't put an age number saying who's in their prime. Who's that? Look, Tom Brady, 44 years old, he came out up runner up for the MVP voting last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a guy physically when he's older, he doesn't have to be as good. The question is, can he perform as well with what you give him? Listen, but Denver had to make a move. Oh, is it a no good doubt. move for the Broncos? I mean, I may have done the same thing. I don't know. You know, but all the feedback that I'm getting is, well, it's a good move for Denver, but Seattle didn't make quite as good a move. Why not? Listen, the Seahawks weren't going to go anywhere with Russell Wilson next year. Oh, I agree with that. They weren't going to go anywhere. 
So that's Russell, Russell Wilson's Wilson, value wanted out. Right. Because Russell Wilson. Well, Russell Wilson basically told them, if you want me to stay, I'll stay. But if you trade me, that's okay too. So I didn't he hear had that. that was I a didn't hear that. I, I heard from the Seattle teammates that he just left them high and dry, is what I heard. But that's okay. Okay. Yes. Oh, okay. Thank you, Mac. If that's true, thank you with what I just said about him not having the locker room together. If the if his teammates felt he was indifferent, what does that tell you? Well, I'm talking about him leaving, just going. I don't think I don't think any quarterback right now would want to be at that age and at that talent level would want to be on a, a losing rebuilding team. I don't think Aaron Rodgers would want to be on a team like that. I don't think uh Tom Brady would want to be on a team. But look, like look that. what Seattle got back. I know, I know. Yeah, but that's future, Jeff. That's rebuilding. We'll but see. But I want to tell you, no, 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 no. But listen, let me let me just go over the deal if it's okay. Yeah, go ahead. They get they get three players. Let's talk about the players, not the draft choice. They get Drew Locke. Drew Locke, you don't know. Maybe he develops into their starter next year. Maybe not. You don't know, but the potential is there. The potential. Uh, I don't know. We don't we don't know. But it's well, listen, worst case scenario. Drew Locke would be a competent backup quarterback. Do you agree on that? He could be a good backup if you get a better quarterback. It goes down. Drew Locke's got a couple of years NFL experience. He can get the job done maybe as a backup. Okay? So you address that. They got a tight end, Noah Fant, who was a first-round selection three years ago by Denver. You know, and he caught 68 passes last year. That averages out to four a game or one a quarter. And he's a decent blocker. He's going to start. So they got a tight end who's going to start, who's got upside. And then they got an average defensive lineman in Shelby Harris, who, you know, is going to plug up a hole. He's a so-so pass rusher, good against the run. So those are the three guys they got. Now they got two number one draft choices the next two years and two number twos. And they swapped a five and a four, but that's not that significant. Now, they go now, Seattle, ninth overall in the draft. Is there a quarterback out there who they could pick at ninth? If they like Malik Willis a lot, let's say, they feel he has great upside, maybe they snatch him at number nine, and Seattle says, we got our next Russell Wilson. Because Russell Wilson, I believe, was a second-round draft choice when they took him. So maybe they got their quarterback of the future in this maybe. But these are so they got Malik Willis and they had Drew Locke coming to camp. So they would have would have addressed their quarterback situation. Mm-hmm. Plus, they have other picks, the other draft choices, and the guys they got are gonna plug yeah, up. Yeah, I mean Seattle, Seattle was gonna get a boatload for Wilson, that's for sure. But Denver to me, you've got a, a Hall of Fame, 33-year-old quarterback that may be able to get you to a Super Bowl. You came out ahead. The future of Seattle, we'll see what happens. I don't even think Pete Carroll will be there next year. We'll see what happens. I don't know if he wants to even rebuild the team. I know he didn't want Russell to leave because he's 70 years old. I don't think he – I don't even know if he'll be there uh, after this year. We'll see what happens. But I No, think I mean, they're, they're, they're rebuilding in Seattle because, like I said, Bobby Wagner, who's one of the big favorites, has been there 10 years, eight Pro Bowls, future Hall of Famer, I think. He's done a lot for the community, you know. They're moving on from him unless he comes back in a much cheaper contract. Yeah, so they're yeah. in the rebuilding mode. Well, no they have to know that. They're not retooling. 
If you're retooling, that means you're keeping Russell Wilson and you're retooling in other positions because their quarterback position, you can put a big question mark. I agree with you about Drew Locke. You know, you hope you get lucky with Drew Locke and you really develop smarts, possible, but you can't count on it, you know? So so Carson Wentz goes to the Washington Commanders. Uh, You know, the Colts traded him. They were going to cut him, I heard. So at least they got something from Washington back. Um, I don't know what I don't know what what Wentz has left, Jack. I really don't. I mean, I, it's it's probably an upgrade from Heineke. Uh, you know, uh, I don't know if he's going to be hurt again this year. I don't know if it really addresses uh, Washington's quarterback needs. They were they made a bid for Russell Wilson too, but uh, I guess it's an upgrade from Heineke. Um, he's back in the NFC East. You know, maybe he catches fire. I'm not sure. A couple of good receivers, a good running back, a good defense. I don't think it really ma- it matters that much. I don't think Washington becomes instant playoff contenders because they got Wentz yet. Listen, I agree. You know what the problem is? The Washington commanders, they remember Carson Wentz when he played good for the Eagles back in the day. So they're thinking, wow, he was really, really good against us in the past against other teams. It's not the same Carson Wentz, okay? He slumped badly as a Philadelphia Eagle. He went off to Indianapolis. The head coach, Frank Reich, who was his offensive coordinator with the Eagles, couldn't straighten him out in Indianapolis. They basically gave him conservative game plans the first half of the year. So he didn't fail and even did some good things over the second half. He was very mediocre. That's why they moved on from him. And listen, in the deal being made, both teams are swapping second-round picks. So that's a wash for the most part. And what Indianapolis is basically getting are two third-round draft selections, which could turn into starters. And Washington has agreed to pay Carson Wentz's full salary. So for Indianapolis... You know, they didn't want Carson Wentz to be their starter. Who's going to be Indianapolis's starting quarterback next year? They have absolutely no one. That's why I kind of feel, keep an eye on Mitch Trubisky, Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, that's about the best of the bunch that's out there. Guys who have NFL starting experience might be able to succeed in Indianapolis. But the Colts are probably looking. Whoever we get can't be much worse than what Carson Wentz was. And I'll tell you, you know who's vindicated Philadelphia in the front office? Even if Carson Wentz goes to Washington and fools us and turns into an outstanding quarterback for that team, the Eagles won't get faulted for getting rid of him so soon because he did go to Indianapolis and couldn't quite cut it there. Yeah, I hear, Jack, that they're going to – that the. Uh... Colts are seriously looking at Garoppolo. He just had successful uh, surgery on his right shoulder. We know San Francisco is try. It was we'll, we'll try to get rid of him and go go young. Uh, so I expect the Colts to make a bit for Garoppolo. Mitch Trubisky is. There's a lot of talk that the Giants are very interested in bringing him over. Uh, of course, his offense quarter the ball is there. Uh, there's interest. Maybe some competition for Daniel Jones. Uh, he's he hasn't had no competition since he's. You know, been the quarterback of the Giants, and me personally, I believe there should be competition at every position. I don't think anybody should get a free ride. Would be interesting to see if he could push Jones to be better, or maybe take the starting job, Jack. 
Yeah, Mac, uh, we're going to talk about this more on the debate show, how this affects Daniel Jones. We're going to have a nice debate back and forth. But that's a natural thing in sports. If a coach has been with a player, it could be an offensive coordinator. Now he becomes a head coach elsewhere. You know, you like to bring your people along with you, other coaches, other players, guys who you're familiar with, like you like to say, Mac, and you're so correct. It's about relationships. And Brian DeBall, he has a relationship with Mitch Trubisky. He doesn't have one with Daniel Jones. Maybe he develops one with Daniel Jones. The giant front office, they have a relationship with Daniel Jones. But the guy they hired to run their team, at least on the field, doesn't have one, you know, as of yet. So that's going to be very you know, interesting how that plays itself out. Well, Will, if they get him, it a will competition be map. I don't fully – I agree with competition in some situations. You're not – if you're the Kansas City Chiefs and you're drafting set in the draft and somehow one of these quarterbacks who you love – falls to you and you said i can't bypass this guy you know even though we have patrick mahomes you don't draft him to compete with patrick mahomes that would be ludicrous i think that was one of the big mistakes you disagreed at the time that urban Meyer made everyone knew trevor lawrence was the jaguar quarterback of the future he had to step in and become the leader of the team immediately immediately why is that I'll tell you the truth. I'll have him compete with I'll you. This is where we disagree. I think it helped Trevor Lawrence to not be named the, the starting quarterback and that there was a competition. This gave him a little bit more oomph and the team to get behind him when he won it. There's no doubt Trevor Lawrence was going to beat out, as you said, Mr. Mustache. But just that doubt for a second, as Phil Sims told us, you know, you're going to have quarterbacks, young quarterbacks come at you. But you see on the field, you know, as a starting quarterback, you can throw the ball. You can throw lasers out there where the other ones can't. And you know Trevor Lawrence can throw a laser. And Minshew is a good quarterback, but he sure ain't in Lawrence's uh, a category. But I think every quarterback should be pushed. I don't care how great they are. I think they should be pushed. Brady was pushed with Garoppolo. He was pushed, I forget what the other guy's name they had him in camp. These quarterbacks were decent, and they pushed him. And it may, I think it made him better. I think it made. Him I don't better. think they pushed. I think in the case of Garoppolo, <clears throat> is you had a quarterback who Tom Brady felt he kind of felt he had to look over his shoulder a little bit because why is Garoppolo there the whole time? Are right. they looking to eventually replace me if my performance goes down? That's okay. You need competent backups in the NFL because of the amount of injuries that take place. But Bill Belichick never said, okay, when we go to training camp, Garoppolo and Brady are competing for the no, starter. No, he didn't have to. That's Urban what was. I mean. He made yeah, yeah. Ur- listen, that Urban, Brady was the starter. Ur- but Urban, Urban, Urban Meyer, Meyer said, oh, they're competing for the Urban starter. Meyer. Urban Meyer is no professional head coach, as we found out. But I really believe that Garoppolo, after Garoppolo left, Brady went on and won two more Super Bowls. It's just, I think you have to press people's buttons every now and then to get, because they're complacent. They get, I this is my job. And, you know, if I, I do what I want, I think you need people around to press other people's buttons, even the stars, Jack, because they're just human beings like everybody else, no matter how great they are. And I like that. I like competition. 
I like uh, a young quarterback coming in and 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 trying to show up the veteran and the veteran playing better to show up the the young quarterback to say, you know, you're not as good as you think you are. And I'm the guy here, you know, sort of like Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers and Smith and Mahomes. I mean, these were good quarterbacks that were ahead of these other quarters, won a Hall of Famer. And, and it pushed it pushed far, I think. I think it pushed. No, and, but everyone knew the situation. Listen, the same yeah. thing with uh, you mentioned Smith and Mahomes. Everyone knew Alex Smith would be the quarterback the first year Patrick Mahomes came into the league. And Patrick Mahomes was going to be the backup for the whole season. And everyone knew the next year Mahomes would take over. Look, same thing at Chicago. Andy Dalton was supposed to be the starter. Right. Justin Fields was supposed to sit for one year, but then Andy Dalton got injured and then Justin Fields was rushed in sooner than what we thought. I mean, the case with Garoppolo and Trey Lance, Trey Lance was brought in to be the quarterback of the 49ers, but he wasn't quite ready. It wasn't a competition in the sense that and you know, Garoppolo was going to hold on to the job. You know, look, he understood If Trey Lance looked a hell of a lot better in his appearances, Garoppolo was in trouble because they did. Oh, absolutely, but Garoppolo, but, but it wasn't a competition. But, in but it was pushing, Jack. What I mean by competition is not that it's an open competition. I'm meaning that you have somebody right over your shoulder. If you get hurt, if you don't feel like playing well, if you got problems, they got another option. And to me, this makes you work harder. If you have somebody sitting behind you at your profession that's young and aggressive and not proven yet, and he wants he wants to be as good as you, most times you get better. You're not you're not just sitting there, King of the You room. know, certain situations, I agree. It depends on the team. This Big Ben retired as of now mason rudolph is the starter for the pittsburgh steelers the steelers might draft a quarterback if the right one comes in there's a good chance they will i wouldn't i wouldn't be against a competition for the job because mason rudolph hasn't proven himself to be a leader i'm surprised jack that the steelers didn't go after a quarterback a couple years ago i'm very surprised that they really didn't go after draft a young quarterback a couple of years ago, because Ben had been losing a little bit off his fastball for the last. Maybe they years. think enough of Mason Rudolph. You might not. I might not. Mike Tomlin sees him at practice each day. Maybe he thinks he can get it done. Listen, you know, I, we'll you, if you we'll see a guy out. practice each day, it's a little different from us looking, you know, on the outside. We'll find out, folks. We're almost done. I got a little tease for you. There will be a major title fight announcement coming in the next couple of weeks. Two sources have confirmed it. I'm not going to tell you who it is because I don't want to take steal their thunder. But if you love boxing, be ready for a major announcement in the next couple of weeks where there'll be a title possibly on the line. So, folks, that's it for the Mac and Jack Sports Show today. Thursday, we'll be back tomorrow with Byron Williams, Keith Angle, and the Philly Sports Guy. Have a great Thursday. We'll see you tomorrow.